This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Every month we're talking about beer and beer culture. This is Beer Longing. I'm Steve and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Mark and Rob. Welcome gentlemen, how are you both doing? All the better for seeing you guys. It's good to be back. It feels like a very long time. <laughs> it, it has been a, a bit of a while, has, hasn't it? We did, as, as our listeners will know, uh, we took a bit of an extended break just at the end of the summer, just to a uh, bit of housekeeping all around, I think. I think we all had a few things going on uh, at home and work was busy for us all and our schedules just didn't allow us to bring the three of us together and with a potential guest to, to put together the normal brilliance that's in your ears so we decided we'd just give ourselves a few more weeks off instead this is it is it's a month late but it's our belated birthday show so we're officially a year old now this should have been the year old podcast uh and as part of this episode we're going to be looking back over the last year looking at some of the topics we've been discussing in reverberations to see if any of those are still bouncing around um, and also we're going to be looking back over some of the guests that we've had and, and, and talking about what some of the highlights have been as, as well. So we've got a bit of a packed show for you this month to, to, to make up for the missing month. And without further ado, let's get into the first part of the show. From the shelves, from the shelves, from the shelves. And this is where we send each other a beer to enjoy from our travels around the the, the place so <laughs> stressing emphasis <laughs> on the word enjoy there so mark oh what have you been sent this month i've been sent a beer from rob edwards and he has sent me a fierce beer um export 80 shilling scottish ale coming at five percent um, well, doesn't that sound delicious? It, it does. does sound, it I does enjoy sound it. delicious. Uh, Rob, why, 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 why? <laughs> why did I send you that? Because I bought two cans of it and I enjoyed the first one. I thought, you know, I'll enjoy that. Mark Johnson, and hopefully you will. So, yeah, that's why you have that one. I love a good chili nail. My, my favorite story about chili nail, completely true, is uh, the very first beer festival that I went to. Uh, when I was 18, 19, and um, there were, I perused the beer list. I, w- I was much more into dark beers at the time, and I perused the beer list and saw something that basically described itself as a, a, a traditional dark Scottish ale. And I said to the guy who was a friend of my dad's, so he was a seasoned camera member in his 50s, and I went, I'm going to try the 60 slash minus next because i never in 18 19 years come across 
the symbol for shillings because why would i and uh, no irony Mm. no joke i just went 60 slash minus that's what i'm going for yeah there's no way Um, i knew what the sign for a shilling was when i was 18 or 19 no and obviously ripped the absolute piss out of me luckily before i went and ordered the beer so i (laughs) came to ordering the beer I, i now knew what it was and by that point was probably given the entire history of shilling ale so I'm I'm on the eighty slash minus from this. It's Beautiful. really quite um, Christmassy, I would say in some ways. Mm, yeah, feels quite just... spicy, quite very, very warming. Yeah, perfect. It could be it could be a pumpkin ale. Honestly, it's it's got hints of that about it. Um, it's it's it's, it's delicious though. It is it is um, a style that you don't come across a lot. It's just mm-hmm. dark and. Multi, but at the same time, surprisingly light. But like shilling ales often are so lovely stuff. What what, what have you been sent, Rob? Uh, Steve has sent me a lovely beer because I've had it before, so I was looking forward to drinking this. It's a collaboration between our friends at Burnt Mill Brewery and um, and New Barns, and it's their Imperial Measures Double Stout, and it is very double and very stout. It's uh, what. The double stout doesn't mean it's like double percentage, but it's just a, it's a fat stout. I was going to say, what strength is it? It's four point eight, I think. So it's, but it's just proper stout. You know what I mean by that? It's it's it's, uh, it's an incredible nice and, beer. Nice and, it is lovely and roasty and bitter, but obviously bitter. But then that little bit of sweetness in in, in the background as well. So it's just. Very drinkable. It's it's also very clever brewing because mm. for, for all intents and purposes, it's got the the, the mouthfeel, the thickness, and, and and the taste of an imperial stout. But coming in mm. at four point eight percent, it's it's just absolutely spectacular as as a beer. And I was so pleased that that they bought it back out again this year. And, and when I saw, saw it on the shelves, I was like, "Yep, that's that's what Rob's getting." I'd love to have this like a nitro pour or or, or even cask because I've only ever had it at the can. It's delicious, but I just would like to experience it that that way. We're going to show a bit of naivety now, but you know we can't know everything. No, nah. when you when you've said that, I mean the some of the local pubs that I go in have memorabilia from local breweries of your long since gone and all of them had a beer that was called double stout and it was always about 4.8 percent i'm looking it up now because i don't know what it is so it it, it never meant like imperial or Mm. you know super strength so it must have meant something else well it says on the internet it says double stout was therefore a stronger type of stout but I don't know whether that means in terms of the flavour rather than the percentage. I get the impression that um, some mischief has been going on in terms of your beer, Steve. Well, yes. Um, Mark has sent me uh, what can only be described as the Loch Ness Monster of beers. Um, obviously, the Loch Ness sure Monster... But yeah, being a creature that people think exists and they think they've seen, um, but nobody's actually ever seen it. And 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 when we've joked in the past about uh, me one day receiving a smoked imperial sour beer, um, I thought, nah, 
that that thing can't possibly <laughs> exist and um sadly for me it fucking does <laughs> um because i've i've got it in uh in my glass in in front of me uh so mark sent me from um upfront brewing don't even think it's got a name this this beer doesn't even have a name. Um, it's, <laughs> the beer it's the, that shall uh, not be named. The, oh, hang on. No, maybe it's called the Isle of Mixed Firm. So it's a barrel-aged imperial sour with raspberries, tayberries, and honey. Um, Sounds delicious. What, what makes it smoked, I hear you all scream. Um, well, apparently, it's... Uh, that the barrel aging is in Islay whiskey barrels, which are obviously famous for being very peaty and peaty, smoky. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the description talks about balance and peat notes and <laughs> well-rounded sweetness and everything. And um, I've had it uh, in the freezer for the last half an hour to try and get it so cold that I don't taste anything. Um, it does... <laughs> <laughs> how does it taste i don't know it's been in my glass it's uh it looks like a raspberry smoothie i know people like it when we send each other things that we enjoy and that's fine but i had as soon as i saw this beer existed i had to do it i had to do it um and i had I to do it to that. steve and as i say it was actually uh, too expensive for me to even get a can for myself so um i, I don't even get to share in this enjoyment which, because I think it sounds absolutely delicious, I'll be honest. Well, you know, as always, we'll be impartial and honest about our opinions of the beers. I, I can yeah. uh, I can Im- imagine a great number of my friends that would enjoy drinking this. <laughs> I can imagine a great number of people that, that would enjoy drinking this. Um, I am not one of them. Um, I've had what amounts to a large sip. And already I'm probably going to have to take a short pause to go and get some Gaviscon in, in me. Oh, is it uh, sour then? Is it really sour? It's it's, it's not sour. It's uh, it's more on the tart side. So I'd, I'd say the raspberries are, are probably the dominant factor. Maybe in the there. tayberries, because none of us know what they actually are. Yeah, no one could tell what tayberry <laughs> tastes like. No. Well, I know what raspberry tastes like. Yeah. It tastes like that. Um there is a hint of smoke in in the background. Uh, it's not as it's not as thick as it looks. It does. It. I mean, you guys can see it there. It looks like, like a tropical Fanta. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, you guys can't see, but it's very quite juicy looking and grapefruity almost. Yeah, raspberry grapefruit. Mm. Uh, it, what do you say the strength was, Steve? Sorry, I didn't. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. So, being imperial, it's uh, weighs in at nine point eight percent as well. Ooh, so wow, I think it's, uh, it's, it's I a massive beer, and I'm I'm trying to think of some way that I can uh, decant the rest of this can into a sealed vessel and send it back to you, Mark, because <laughs> unfortunately, that's just going down the sink. Um, Happy birthday <laughs> to us. because I I can't drink that; it will literally uh, ruin ah, me for, no, for, that's for a the shame. rest of the rest of the show. Um, oh, we were talking job. before about good, how we good, thought you'd really enjoy it, and we're going to change your mind. But no, obviously it's a good not. job I've got a can of Imperial Measures here, just in case, isn't it? Just to um, pour and, and enjoy during this during this first section. Well, to, my, my genuine hope was that you would actually be converting. You'd love the beer, so I am 
Um, I'm gutted, but I am falling on my own sword. So, did you think two wrongs would make a right for Steve? Well, you never know. Smoke with, combined with all the the sour mixed firm. At the end of the day, we're just getting I don't getting out of our comfort zone's not a bad thing either. But yeah, you know, of course, I agree. I, I don't I don't mind being pushed outside of my comfort zone, and believe me, I was very intrigued by the description and how one beer does so many things. Um, it's it's just I I can't drink too much of that sort of beer. Um, no, no, I mean neither can I. But at the same time, as well, this section's for nice things that we've come across and. All you would have got was a nice West Coast IPA, which I'm, you know, I know you would have been thrilled about, but it would have been quite boring at the same yeah, time. We've so. done that a few times now. Yeah. But also, shout out to a brewery that I've never heard of. So, up, mm. Upfront Brewing, who I assume are based, yeah, based in Scotland. Um, in I think I've Glasgow. assumed as well. <laughs> yeah. Based, based in Glasgow. So, certainly a brewery that I've never heard of. And I'm intrigued to to see whether this is just kind of a one-off or if this is their thing or or whether they do kind of other stuff as well. Yeah, well, because they're obviously doing interesting things anyway because it's, as I say, it's the uh, hen's tooth of styles that I've been looking for you for a year. So they're, they're obviously not afraid to experiment. I'm surprised it exists, mate. I, 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 I really am, and, and that's the thing that I was most surprised about when I took it out of the uh, the packaging that you sent to me. It was my God, he's actually found it. He's actually found the Loch Ness monster. Uh, well, that'll so, do me. So well, well done on well done on that. But unfortunately, that's a that's a pass for me. Um, but but thank you for sending that to me, and I'm I am genuinely disappointed that you, you're not going to get to try it because I think you would have loved it. Oh well. And if any other breweries fancy doing that style, you've got 12 months for me to send it to Steve for the second birthday. <laughs> Excellent. Let, let's not let that become a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, moving on. Um, while we enjoy these beers, let's talk about what we've been up to uh, while we're on our extended break. Rob, seeing as uh, you normally forget or have forgotten to remember or have forgotten to make notes on, on this section, uh, why don't you go first and, and, and tell us about all of the wonderful adventures that you've been up to? Yeah, I've done really well, actually. I think, well, I went to uh, Nottingham for a weekend, which was good. And we, we talked about Nottingham before, so I don't need to go any more into that, but enjoyed that. Uh, then the weekend after that, I ended up going to the uh, Leeds International Beer Festival, which I'd never been to before. And I tell you what, uh, an, an abbey is a good place for a beer festival. It was absolutely boiling, but what what a good day. Me and Johnny Beer Boy had a delightful time. Odell IPA was there, so I got to see my mate try that for the first time, rather than just hearing me go on about it. And yeah, that was brilliant. Uh and then oh yeah, it was beer longing on tour at a Indian Man beer convention with myself yes, and, it was. and my co-host Mark Johnson. Yeah, I think that's about it for me. What have you been up to, Steve? I'm sure I've seen you uh, leave the house at some point. <laughs> well, I've been. Uh, I, I suppose you could sum it up by exploring East Anglia this uh, since since the last show. So I went to Southwold for for the weekend. After my birthday, a uh, bit of an annual visit for us to, to go and spend a weekend in Southwold. 
We also went over to Walberswick, which for for those that don't know is is, is a small village, just a, a a couple of miles from from Southwold itself. But to get to it, you have to go across um, the river where 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 the, the sea comes in. Um, I'm sure it's got a more nautical name than that, but there's a <laughs> there's a stretch of water that's tidal and has a current that you have to cross to get from Southwold to Walberswick. Oh, right. that, that that famous. Bit of water. That's yeah, the that, one. That, that famous bit. Of water. And to get across there, you have to take a, a, a people ferry, which is basically a, uh, a guy rowing a boat. And oh, cool! You, you get in the boat, and he—it's he, like two big pools, and you're over, and and then you're out. And so we we explored <laughs> Walkerswick as as well. And and while we were in Southwold, we actually caught up with Danny, the owl lady, uh, who was no, there fantastic. performing her latest show. So we we went along and, and and saw the show and had a thoroughly good time. And and, and if if you're new to be along in all this podcast, Danny is the person who does the intro to this show. So mm-hmm. she she is she is mm-hmm. indeed. So all the love to Danny as 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 well. It was lovely to see you, and I hope you're very well. Uh, we then spent a weekend in Norwich, so going a little a little bit further up um, east East Anglia, a uh, couple of days in just exploring Norwich and some of the beer places that were there um some of the highlights on the saturday when we were there where we did more of kind of a crawl around town um the artichoke fantastic bar uh really welcoming environment great selection of cask and keg beers uh the leopard and the uh, plasterer's arms same sort of thing lovely decor inside really welcoming fantastic cask beers great keg beers but one of the real highlights for me was um, a place called the Merchant House, which was kind of a hybrid coffee stroke bar. Um, so we went in there later on in the day, and they I I had a double espresso, which was absolutely delicious. But then when I looked at their um, the three keg lines they had, they had burnt mills pinned to one. Now regular listeners of the show will know how much I love that beer. Um, so I literally had a pint of pinto and a double espresso at the same time, and it was it just went perfectly in my mind. I had a lovely time in there, lovely couple of hours in there, uh, and and then also a, a shout out to the Plow as well, which is um, Grain Brewery, who we've spoke about on on here in the past, who are the current hosts of um, the Brewer of Old Chimneys. They're, they've got their own pub in in Norwich uh, called the Plow, and it, it serves five cask lines of their beers plus uh all of their keg beers as well so beautiful garden out the back of it as well right in the center of norwich so that was a that was a lovely weekend um and then uh more recently we were supposed to go up to dis to to visit the ampersand tap room because we realized on the way to norwich that this wasn't actually that far and the ampersand tap room is literally two minute walk from the station uh so we were due to go there last weekend but because of the rain there was there was flooding north of ipswich so no trains were going and any further than that so instead we just went on a bit of a crawl around colchester city center um just hitting up our usual haunts um the vic queen street brew house and and, and, and two brews and lucky for us the two brews were hosting a pizza night so they had uh pizzas down in their cellar as well so a very lovely evening of pizza and beer was had so yeah just um i've stayed fairly local but i've i've, I've explored um some some new places and some old favorites as well what have you been up to mark you must have uh have the trains allowed you to do anything well not really but i, I sort of in a similar boat i suppose because it's been two months 
the things that fall under that threshold feels now like ages ago. So, for example, there was Smokefest at Torsai Brew, the smoked beer festival, and that was six weeks ago now, but it's still since we last recorded. Um, I did manage to get there despite uh, boring personal logistical reasons why I might not have got there, but me and Wilbur managed to get there. And, uh, yeah, it's the first time they've managed to host it properly since COVID happened, so since 2019. And the difference in uh, busyness since then just shows that finally people are coming around to the idea that smoked beer, a smoked beer-focused festival is the greatest idea of all time <laughs> because we're, we're it was at... absolutely rammed. And... Also, the fact that so many people throughout the festival are going, do you know, a lot of these beers aren't very smoky. And it was actually me who was there just going, all these beers are very, very smoky. You've just got used to the taste of smoked beer at this point. The fact that you don't think these very heavily smoked beers are. And so festival was an absolute success as, as far as I was concerned. I did have tickets for both days, but unfortunately could only go to the one. Um, but I hope everyone had a fantastic time. That I saw, I saw a few people that I know from Twitter and Instagram. I don't know whether the podcast listeners, but it was great to meet uh, various people. I was mostly just trying to keep um, a very fussy golden retriever under control most of the time, and have a beer in the other hand so i was struggling to say hello to people while stopping my dog from eating people's food so <laughs> um well, that was fantastic uh indie man was shortly after i mean so much happened in two months that you just think i mean uh, i was trying to i was trying to look back through my camera rolls trying to re- remind myself and it featured the empty shelf of little from that big rush for Oktoberfest beers that happened in like early september and you're like god that yeah that was since we last recorded so so much should happen um um i've been to lisbon as well um a couple of weekends ago but it was for a stag do however i was tasked with finding good beer places for us to go which i came up trumps with and had a very extensive list we did actually in the end only manage to get to a few places because it was it was a mixed. It wasn't a raucous stag do, but it was mixed full of. Uh, we we went in a couple of quite nice beer places. Uh, Lisbon does seem to have a thriving beer scene, and I know quite a few people that I follow on Twitter that have been in the last couple of years. So, it if it's not on your radar or somewhere to go, I would certainly consider it. We went to um, a brew pub, um, another place that does. Um, a beer tasting thing very similar to uh, a place near me in England that has a wine machine. It has like a beer machine where you put money on a card and then it's got like 15 beers you serve yourself but like 50 mil measures so you can try all the beers. For anybody that ever went to that terrible looking Beaver Town Festival in London, it'd be your <laughs> absolute dream. Yeah, 50, I went to both of them, yeah. 50 mil tasters of all the beers 
But I know I quite like it as a thing because I've I use that wine machine at the place near us and it's quite cool. So why would I be against the beer version of that? Uh, so yeah, that's been. Uh, apart from that, again, lots of nice local drinking for me as well. Um, I've had to stay lo- local again for personal reasons, and it's been nice to reconnect with that side of beer drinking again, and it's been fantastic. Yeah, a good couple of months. So yeah, that that was Beery Adventures. It was indeed, <laughs> which kind of wraps up the last couple of months of of, of our lives, I, I, <laughs> I guess. Um, I think we've probably all finished hmm. our first beers, uh, apart apart from the one apart that I was actually that. sent, which ninety <laughs> percent of it is still in the can. Let's move on to our second beer, then, Rob. What are you drinking? I have got the um, the Duration Harvest beer. It's a uh, five point five percent Matson, however you pronounce that. And yeah, this is this is my second can of this. Not tonight, but I'd need. I bought two. And you know what? I'm a big fan of uh, Mertzen. It makes sense that I would also be a big fan of this beer. And it's a lo- lovely uh, amber colour, as you would expect. Probably some Vienna malt in there, I would imagine. Let's read the can. No, that's very interesting to listen to. Yeah, but yes, if if, if Mertzen is your sort of thing, get hold of a Duration Harvest beer. There's been a lot more of that. I'm not an expert on the style, but there's been a lot more of that kind of beer knocking about this year. Mm. And I, I am a, I, whether it's been called fest beer or harvest beer or whatever, but I'm I'm quite a fan, so I'm not complaining about it. So I had one on Sunday from Braybrook. It it was their this year's iteration of their harvest beer, which is a which is a fest beer. Uh, oh yeah, I saw, I saw your blue sky about it, mate. Oh, cheers! Thanks. <laughs> you fo- follow us on Blue Sky. Or follow Mark yeah. and I. We'll give you. We'll give you the handles later. Uh, but yeah, it was um, because after after our little uh, crawl around Colchester on Saturday, apparently that was enough, and we had to go back to Two Brews on Sunday for a couple more. And I was hanging a little bit, and it took me a long time to take my first sip of the uh, of the beer. But when I did, my word, was it delicious! It was um, ev- everything you've probably got in your glass there, Rob. But then it had this real, this real bitter kick to the end of it, and it just it just finished it off beautifully. And yeah, I'm completely with with, with Mark on on what he's saying. I've seen a lot of Mertzens this year, and uh, I, I I don't know whether it's that we're seeing more beers coming over from Germany because it's Oktoberfest, or, or or more of the breweries are doing are choosing to do the the, the Mertzen Fest beer type style. But I, I much I much prefer that sort of more ambery, malty sort of lager than the the, the standard here's here's another German lager sort of thing. Would you guys say that like um Oktoberfest is like growing in there's growing interest for it the last few years amongst like the quote craft beer community? It's it, cold it, it's cold to like lager now, isn't it? Whereas it never used to be. In in terms of searching out, like the more traditional style lagers at this time mm-hmm. of year, yes, I think it is, and I think Mark mentioned it earlier. You know what? Why we were on 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 our break, the the whole thing over the little Oktoberfest box, the, the clamour for that that I saw on Twitter was. was I heard people was, got angry about people being yeah. excited about that. Yeah, but no, I th- I think there's growing interest in 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 it for sure. I mean, I know that. You, you know, I drink in two brews regularly, and 
Paul said that from the beginning of September through until, I think he said through until the end of October, they were going to have a dedicated Oktoberfest beer line where they would always have a, a different rotating beer of that style on. And they've they've gone through quite a few and certainly their lager fridge has been full of the Oktoberfest beers and it's, it's relatively empty most times because people are just going in and grabbing a couple of bottles every time. I, th- I think it was always slightly bigger in some circles i can remember going to huddersfield's camera beer festival used to always be around september october time um always about around the same time the indie man was actually and they always made a big thing about having the german oktoberfest beers available in bottles in the um what, what they used to call like the foreign bottled beer bar or something like that and it was always like the same four ones that you saw, um, Iinga, Hackershaw, and a couple of the others. They were always like the same ones that you saw. Um, so I think there's always been a vague interest, um, but it does feel like there's maybe more events and stuff being put on for it. Um, and as I say, there's definitely more interest from British brewers side of things. And I, I never can remember early magic rock or beaver town or thornbridge or you know what whoever was around in 2012 bothering whereas now it feels like a good number of the breweries are giving something a go anyway you know certainly more than a dozen so uh, 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 some of them quite big names or ones that don't do loads of lagers so yeah there's definitely more interest so uh, steve i imagine you've probably poured yourself something that you know you'll enjoy now at this point Absolutely, yep. And continuing with the East Anglian theme this evening, uh, somewhat predictably, I'm drinking a beer from Adnams, which I bought while I was in Southwold. And it's one of my favourite beers, which you don't actually see very much outside of Southwold. It's Innovation IPA. Uh, it's a 6% IPA. Uh, no, 6.7% IPA. Uh, you would have thought I would have known exactly the ABV, considering how much I drank of it when I was in Southwold. It's 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 a cracking beer on 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 draft. It's just really crisp, really refreshing. It's like a good uh kind of old school American IPA, but there's something about the bottled version of it which is really different. It's it takes on almost like a Belgian-y characteristic to it. Uh, and I don't understand why that is in, in, in the bottles, why it's so different from the draft version. But needless to say, it's an, it's a delicious beer. And um, I've heard on the grapevine that maybe next year that's getting a bit of a repackage and a relaunch and will be available more widely in cans as well, appealing to that 440ml canned market as well. So that's something that I'm very much looking forward to. Well, now, after our extended summer break, it's the return of... Welcome everybody to Route Corner with me, Smokey Johnson, where every month we'll be exploring the wonderful world of smoked beers. And this month we're coming along to do something that I'm doing for the very first time. Except we're not, we're going back to Bamberg because Schlenkeler have released another new beer. Two, What's this, two in as many episodes? Two in three months, so two in two episodes. We're actually getting new Schlenkerler beer. And this one I actually saved for tonight's episode. So I'm drinking it for the very first time 
for this podcast, unlike the last one, which I couldn't save and just drank an awful lot of. Uh, this time they've done a Schwartz beer, which is basically a black lager for the, well, I was going to say for the first time in their history, I've not actually checked that that is the case. It is smoked with Alderwood, which is the first time I've come across a beer that has been smoked with Alderwood, which is where I believe the name, which I'm going to presume is pronounced Erla, comes from. But anyway, it's a 4.2% smoked black lager, and it's really difficult to describe apart from it tastes like a smoked black lager. (laughs) <laughs> that's the best way that I can describe it. It's when I try to say things, I've got that kind of like sausage or bacon thing, or try and put it in some kind of meaty perspective sometimes, or it's there's some kind of body to it and things. Whereas this, because all Schenklerbeers are lagers at heart, obviously they're all lagered beers, but I, I, feel that actually a lot of them i think people are surprised to find out that the lagers they don't have that well they don't taste potentially what people are expecting from a lager but they don't have that sort of fizziness or anything to them whereas i would say this is a straight up black lager that just happens to be smoked it's easily their most drinkable beer and i would say this would be the one out of all schlenkler's beers that if you try this and you hate it you definitely don't like smoked beer and that's fine but i i I find this actually probably the most approachable one another triumph from schlenkler and thank you for coming to route corner and we'll see you again next month you're on a bit of a run at the moment mark with with these beers that's that's a couple of months now you've had some good ones who knew smoked beer was good who knew? <laughs> well, you, apparently. Yeah. Anyone who started listening a few months ago where you kind of shot yourself in the foot a couple of times perhaps wouldn't know. I know. I'm but... going to have to find something shit next month. Maybe I'll buy myself <laughs> an Imperial Smoke Sour. While we're drinking these beers, let's um, spend some time having a look back then over the last year in in terms of reverberations and the discussions that we've had. Reverberation, 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 it's reverberation. So we're not going to go necessarily show by show. We've we've all had a look at the list of shows that we've done in in, in the last year and and, and the topics that were, and there's a few that I think each of us want to pull out as, as, as we go through this. But obviously starting at the obvious place, which was a year ago when we released our first show, um, we were talking about Indie Man and beer festivals and how people are approaching those. Now, obviously, both of you guys went to Indie Man last year. You went again this year. How was it for you? It, it, it was Indie Man. What I would say about Indie Man, it, it, I, I love it. it. It can't. I don't think it'll show me anything new. And so now it's a bit of a comforting old blanket. You know, there was... A lot of difference between 2012, 2013, 2014, 20, it was always evolving, whereas now it feels the same every year, which is why I personally just do the one session because I think that's enough for me to go, oh, that was, and I said I said it on the 
after we left the festival, we got a taxi back to Track Brewing Tap Room, and I remember saying in the taxi, I was like, that was enough to make me... I wish I was going to more sessions. We just did the Friday afternoon. I wish I was going to more sessions, but I'm also glad that I'm not, because now I can't wait until next year. Whereas I think if I was like, oh, I'm going tomorrow, I would have got bored very, very quickly. Um, yeah, I think I think I feel the same, because at some point you're just kind of wandering from room to room to room to room. Over a weekend, it's going to be like, oh, I don't know if I can forget where all the rooms are for three days in a row. Yeah, and I th- certainly if you've never been before or not been for a number of years, it's still so exciting and so oh, magical is a bit extreme of a word, but you know... I think there's know, some magic to India, man. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's why you have to buy it tickets for like the saturday main session like as soon as they come out because they just sell out there's not many festivals that are like that there is something special but yeah it was was definitely a lot of fun what i would say is relative to the conversation from reverberations is it's i i I didn't even look at the beer list before i got there it's not um, relevant doesn't feel relevant to to me anymore. The the only planned beer was that very early on we had a smoked beer from Chapter Bruco, just so we could get a picture that said we're doing a live route corner. Which again, <laughs> if we'd had a few more beers in us, we probably would have done and insisted that you put it in the show, Steve. But <laughs> yeah, because it was nice and early on, we were just too sober yeah. to be like. And later on, we were just too busy having a really nice time. Absolutely. So that's it. So all I did throughout the entire session was just be like, I fancy another beer. There's what, what's what's the, oh, there's a Rivington bar over there. I'll just go and get a Rivington beer. Yeah. So, so there was no beer list or anything. And that isn't to say that the people that go there with a big beer list that they thought about all week in hand are doing it wrong. That's absolutely a wonderful way to experience indie man. Just mm-hmm. for me personally, that has gone off the shine. That part of beer festivals just doesn't exist for me as something to be excited by anymore. So, so what, I, what I need to be enjoying is the environment and the space itself for me to have a good time rather than for it to be full of good beer. Yeah, I think you mentioned earlier about the um, the, the Crazy Beaver Town festivals, and that was probably at the peak of me, like wanting to try everything and looking up what was going to be there and then stressing out because a certain beer hadn't come on yet. Whereas now I'm very much don't even look at anything. I didn't even really know what breweries were going to be there other than some that I saw post about it. And, yeah, I just float to whatever bar happens to be nearby at the time and you're going to find something interesting really but yeah to me it's more about just seeing bumping into various people you know that you perhaps don't see that often and you're in victorian baths which is just always just an interesting novelty for a beer festival same as i said about um kirkstall abbey as well uh, earlier in the show that the setting definitely really adds to the experience I think I think we we hear a lot of people refer to it as the, the Glastonbury of beer festivals, don't we? In terms of how quickly it sells out, and and then from what you've both said there, it's you, you know the setup's very similar. You know what's going on. It's a beautiful location. There's a nice vibe about it, and I, I just I just wonder if if that's if that's all part of 
the, the way a lot of people feel about Indie Man is that they, they know what they're going to get, much like they do with Glastonbury. It's going to be full of people. There's a lot of music, a lot of stages. And, you know, you, you know you generally get to float between where you want to go. And uh, I, I think it sounds like Indie Man continues to be the, the, the same sort of thing. You know what you're going to get when you go there. You know what? I've noticed a few people who've like kind of veterans of Indie Man are starting to gravitate towards this Friday early session where it's not quite so busy and you can kind of just enjoy what you love about it a bit more rather than having to like find your way through crowds. And I, th- I think the, the things that appealed to, for years will still be very appealing to new goers. For example, and we probably talked about this in the show episode one is, and I'll say again, I didn't, I didn't at any point sit in one of the little changing cubicles at any point. Didn't have my picture taken in one of them. Didn't really do massive exploring. Even dare I say, it, even fish mosaic felt a bit forced because it was. It became a kind of like we need to go and do this now, otherwise because we're going to be calling a taxi in twenty minutes because. <laughs> we were just comfortable where we were. Um, so when, whereas for new goers, you could still see plenty of people that were there for the first time. Like, I'm sat in a changing cubicle, take a picture of me. And I was like, well, I remember being like that. <laughs> you know, it's it, that that magic still exists. It's like, that that was nice to see. And was like, oh, that's, ni- that's nice. I, I was once like that. As, so that, yeah, there, there are some... Comments there that similar to last year, some things that have changed, progressing. Uh, any of the topics that we discussed in the last twelve months jumped out at you, Steve? Or uh, there's there's a couple. Um, I, I, rather than going by show, I'll just go with the ones that 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 jumped out for me. So when we did our predictions at the the, the beginning of this year, I think that was in in January in the January show. Um, one one of the things, and all, all joking aside, one of the things that came up was Rob's prediction that Best Bitter was going to make this massive resurgence this year, and and I think it actually has. Do you reckon? In, in, I don't think it has. I, I don't know. I think there's more people talking about um, Best Bitter. One hundred percent has Rob. Tra- traditional beers, even to the point where in in a later episode, more most recently, the last episode we did. We were once again talking about the resurgence of traditional styles and and how they've come back. So I, I think that was a fairly decent shout from yourself, mate. In in terms of that, I know it's I know it's a drum that you've been banging very hard this year on your little mini tours of places that you've been doing. But yeah, I think, I think more than a prediction is just what I wanted to happen, just for for myself. You, you got me to come on a night out in Dudley to drink Best Bitter, mate. You know, true, it, true. Best Bitter's back, but no, it, it, there, there was definitely a few. Again, what's the term that I'm looking for? Popular craft breweries, you know, you know that one. have definitely done Best Bitters recently, and what what's again is ones that you wouldn't potentially wouldn't expect. So I think I think I think it has. Yeah. So so well well done on that, bro. Um, we'll look forward to your predictions for, for for next year to see um where where, where the beer, beer beer industry is 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 going. Uh, the other one that I wanted to mention was we had a conversation uh again the month after I think it was back in February about hype beers 
and are, are the days of big hyped annual releases over? And and I've got to say, since then, I've I've, I've seen very few annual releases and very little hype about them. Or although, as we recalled this month's show, Siren are beginning to ramp up about their Caribbean chocolate cake, which is a annual release that they do. Um, but there doesn't seem to be the internet social media meltdown that that that, you, that there used to be and i don't know whether that's more about uh changing tastes or the way that the way we use social media has, has, has changed I'm, I'm not i'm not sure what what it is on that so that they're, they're probably my two um standouts i've got some comments on some others as well but i know you've both got some some comments on some others so i think we'll probably get into a more of a three-way chat as, as as we go through looking looking back that was that was my thinking that was the couple that I, I particularly wanted to, to mention. But as I say, I know that, that both of you have some that you wanted to highlight as well. So, Rob, were there any particular reverberations that, that you wanted to go back to and mention in terms of how they've moved on or not? Um, well, uh, one of the early ones we talked about was the, the Good Beer Guide, and that's a key topic again because the the new one just recently came out, didn't it? The, the Iron Maiden one? Yep. Uh, but in terms of that, really, it just seems to be more of the same thing. Places are upset that they aren't in, in the new one because they've not been voted in. And I didn't really understand, actually. Before. I don't think I understood when we recorded before exactly how they, they make the decisions. But it's all to do with just, like, members of camera going in, local cameras, voting them in, like, writing them on these websites like what pub and that sort of thing so it really just kind of reinforces the fact that i don't really trust good beer guide unless i know to trust the local camera group well i know in my local town center there is only one pub that i go in for cask beer a lot a lot of pubs serve cask beer a lot of them are robinson's own there's joseph holtz ones um well, there's nothing particularly new. And it's all reasonably kept. But there was, there was for years, the Sam Smith pub in there that was, the beer was dreadfully kept in there, but you could tell that it was being voted in because it was cheap. That no longer gets in, but there's still only one pub. It's called the Star, which is the, the only pub that it serves. The cast beer is always absolutely spot on, but it's the only one you'll see any anything of any interest. A lot of uh, Pictish and Abbeydale, which, you know, people f from this area know are superb breweries and the other places can't get in because they're tied down. Um, get that. And, yeah, completely omitted this year. Completely omitted. And it is an absolute mystery because two other town centre pubs that have just got... But it's not badly kept beer, so you can't even shoot them down for that it's just clearly a ridiculous decision and when it starts to come out about you know one certain member of camera in the local area has got a slight beef with the pub and therefore and these kind of stories start coming out is when you're like oh, for god's sake this is why people like rob have got no interest and put no saying it but the problem is that 
it does still have a massive say in certain groups, you know, so you don't want it to, you don't want it to matter. You want to just go back and say, it doesn't matter. I'll do my own research. I'll find out from people. But the simple fact is it still holds major sway, which is why people, pubs are really, really proud to be included in there because they know that it's going to drive a lot of business into their pub. And for a place to be omitted that does the best cask in town because one person might have had a slight beef with somebody in there is it's just it's a lot of power to have over a small business it's supposed to be about the beer isn't it and i think that's what we said last year when we we discussed this it's supposed to be about the beer and it, it very often isn't it, it would seem and it would seem as though not a lot's changed in in, in a year either apart from the cover which which this year seems to have divided opinion as well between no, I the, hate it. those that hate <laughs> it and those that absolutely love it. Um, I I think it's a marketing stroke of marketing genius personally because I, I, I think I had this conversation with someone online um, in Bay, Bay Beer Reviews. Um, I said that Iron Maiden fans are so diehard they will buy anything with Iron Maiden's branding on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The, the, Just... there would have been a load of people that bought that book this year that have no intention of ever opening it or using it, but they bought it because it looks like an Iron Maiden album cover. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple of different Iron Maiden beers as well, haven't there? Yeah. There's, there's that Robinson's one, and then I think there was another one. Yeah, but so, Bruce Dickinson's been involved in all of those, and you know, yeah, everybody, everybody, yeah, I, I think everybody knows that he's a real advocate of mm-hmm. of, of real out, isn't he? So, 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 yeah. so, yeah. Was was there any others, Rob, that you wanted to mention? I think that a major episode for us was the episode where we spent discussing just mental health, the importance of the pub, and just chatting to each other. And you know what? I think we've kind of just continued along the same route, really, bringing those topics up perhaps not in such a heavy way but yeah that was a good episode for us i think it it was an opportunity for us to uh i don't know just explore just how important the pub and and talking is well i don't think it'll be the last time that we discuss it but Mm -hmm. i know myself was um pleased to see that um emma ringship ferment radio has a new podcast in the last couple of months called same again which specifically focuses on the relationship between beer and pubs and mental health and if you've not listened to it i strongly recommend that you do and um it won't be the last time we cover that topic on this podcast i'm sure it comes up most episodes yeah so but it's, it's, it was good to hear that there's a podcast out there d- dedicated to it as well. I, I was going to mention same thing, Mark, and we'll put put a link in the show notes to to that because um, Emma's done a fantastic job with, yeah. with with that series. It's a short series; I think it's only six episodes. But the people that she's spoken to and the insight that she's gathered through it is 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 absolutely groundbreaking. So it's it's absolutely worth a listen. Mark, any others that you wanted to mention in in terms of the reverberations that might still be bouncing around? Well, I think another one that's going to come up again and again, and probably we'll find that in as we go into our second year, it actually gets discussed again under a different guise. Was what we discussed in episode two, which was pub and brewery closures, and the way that continues the number of businesses closing for again for what 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 
we talked about and what continues to happen is the different reasons these are happening is it's not just oh financially the you know, the client the climate's not good there's not enough business in the area which is what i think people think that it is it's various reasons that include dickhead landlords obviously things like energy bills as well but some of the reasons for businesses closing is it, it's so varied which is why i think that we'll end up covering it a lot this year it's it's very much a sign of the times isn't it i think things are catching up from like the covid years whether it's because the costs have got too much for like the, the owners of the business or the landlords are changing their priorities. It's difficult times for various reasons. I guess the the, the one that we've probably not mentioned and, and, and probably one of the most in, in, important topics that came up in, in the last year was the the Brave Noise movement and the everything that surrounded that in terms of the breweries that were getting involved in the beers. We had at least, I think, three of our guests spoke about the importance of it. And I, I suppose it, it feels like it's all gone very quiet since then. But I, I know in particular the, the the brewing of the beer was a time-limited thing, wasn't it? There was the, there was a point by which the beer had to be They had brewed. to sign up, certainly, by a certain point. Yeah. So, so I, I guess the question is, is... As a result of that, has have things got any better, or is it simply a case of there's there's less news about the bad stuff? I did see a tweet about apparently there's a brewery that has done a brave noise beer that has then signed up to go and do the McKellar Beer Festival. I don't know who it was. I just saw a tweet about it. I saw, I saw the same tweet, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm not sure who that is. But disappointing anyway, if it's true. Very disappointing. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the answer to the question there is, has it made a difference? Well, certainly not as much as we would hope anyway. I think it's just kind of the same voices still talking about it. There was a a period where perhaps it was spoken about a bit more by perhaps breweries wanting to look like they're on, on the right side of things, but it's just gone really quiet now, so... But the fact that we're still talking about it means it's still in our consciousness, which means it's still important, which means people should still be talking about it. And and we should we should all still be doing our best collectively to to, to make a noise about it and, 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 and to make sure that things do continue to move in the right direction. Well, a bit like the last topic, it uh, well, you know, we, we just talked about how we will probably talk about mental health issues again. We'll probably talk about businesses struggling again and we'll certainly be talking about the topics that brave noise raise again because they're ongoing problems that are not going away overnight but we can all do better towards and until well i'd say until unfortunately it it won't be some any topics that are solved overnight but we can still we all be doing better and so we'll continue to do better ourselves and hope that we can help in some way yeah, it's all about with the mental health and then with the, the issues that Brave Noise brings up. It's very much about just creating a, an open culture where we can discuss what's wrong and, and why it's wrong and how, how we can be better, yeah. And I guess for us, what that shows is actually that the topics that we discuss, they aren't just in the moment, They that they are things that continue to 
reverberate around the 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 world in which we live in the communities we live on on the internet on social media and and they there there will be things that we come back to time time and get time again that's just that's what we do that's the format of this podcast right absolutely absolutely and it'll continue to be so yeah, so so that's that's our look back over the the, the, the last twelve months and uh, over some of the reverberations that we've discussed. If if you want to get involved and in fact share any of your highlights from from the last year, use the hashtag belonging to get involved, or you can leave us a voicemail on Speakpipe, which we're still going to continue to use because after threatening to stop using it last month, loads of you used it. But before we come to those Speakpipes, it's our birthday and we'll celebrate if we want to. We've got a special beer that we're all going to open and drink right now i'm gonna let mark introduce this beer because i i, I completely blame you for this mark <laughs> it is the most influencing that i've ever influenced in my influence of life of which i'm, I'm not an influencer and but then I've, I've been dragged into it as well i've been saying for many a years and i actually did that whole search of my name and the terms howling premier onto twitter just to make sure that i wasn't joking about this that there is a type of carling which somehow has bypassed a lot of people which was very very good it is carling premier which is this strange hybrid mix we used to call it um lagered bitter smooth flow poured which is now called nitro pod which is a term that we're seeing increasingly within our beer community it's just fast poured creamy beer and i was like but carling premier was always this and carling premier is wonderful why does nobody remember carling premier <laughs> and it's night and they've recently in the last literally the last three or four years as if they're keeping on trend have changed the cam branding so it says nitro pod on the can this is nitro pod lager guys it's hard poured into your fucking glass and it doesn't taste like normal carlin and rob you've never had this before this is your first time having it what is it like well I, i'm just gonna take my first gulp now but oh wait wait what? wait sorry yeah. let me say Happy birthday, guys. And cheers. 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 Happy cheers. birthday. Happy birthday. It's not that bad, is it? <laughs> oh, it's, it's cold and it's a bit creamy. And Look yeah, how creamy and frothy yeah. it is. Look at how smooth you know it what? is, mate. So, obviously, as you say, I've never tried this. And I think probably the reason is, well, I don't think I've actually drank like a, a normal Carlin since I was about 14 because I kind of decided then that it was very bad and I didn't like it. So I'd, maybe I'll even try uh, a, a, a normal Carlin. But, yeah, this isn't that bad. I, I'm glad that I didn't buy it for myself and was kindly sent one by uh, Steve. I, you, yours, yours, yours doesn't look hard poured enough into that glass. I, I, poured, I poured it a while ago. Mine's leaving lacing and all sorts, mate. Mine is some, hard poured lacing, into my yeah. glass. Yeah. I've got some lacing, yeah. I mean, I'm not oh, going to lie. It does taste a little bit like a flat lager. Oh, but... look how creamy <laughs> and smooth oh, it is. On, it is creamy you know what? and but smooth I'll, at the same time. I will say it's not that bad, but at the same time, it's it's not that good either. What I would say about Carlin Premier 
like I say, you you do actually have to nitro pour it, although we just call that just pouring it into a glass when we were younger. You have to make sure that it's ice cold, otherwise it tastes like Carlin, and that's the last <laughs> thing that you want. You don't want it to taste like Carlin. <laughs> it's even got that slight, sweet, corny, horrible smell to it. You don't smell it, you just drink it very, very quickly. It's smooth and it doesn't mm. have the fizziness of it. It's oh, it's simply the greatest drink. And from now on, this is going to be a Carlin Premier Corner rather than Route Corner. You know, it's a bit uh, like I don't think it is. No, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, no because there's not enough of these. This why. is a one-off. <laughs> you know, we, we we had that period of time where we even talked about it on one of the shows. Oh, like everyone's drinking Guinness now. It's kind of like the cool craft beer people drink to go and have Guinness. Maybe this is next. Maybe everyone's going to be drinking Carlin Premier. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, of Mark, and he's going to hate that. I'm, I'm drinking mine in a... Look at that lacing on mine, guys. I mean, you're, drinking one of yours, you're drinking yours in, in, in one of those poncy craft beer glasses I know, the ones well. that you hate as well. <laughs> I wanted to put it in this fancy one, but Steve wouldn't let me because I had to hard pour it. Mate, it's... Uh... It's, right, it, it's, right, just, it's a silly bit, a silly bit of fluff, and I'm glad we've done it, guys. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, it's our birthday, and this is our birthday beer. Ho- yeah, hopefully, well. next year's birthday beer will also be Carlin Premier, but who knows? No, who, who knows what we'll drink next year? And, and it does relate to something that will make sense in about 15 minutes' time. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, because originally this was scheduled to be a little bit later on, but we had to bring it forward because we yeah. were a little bit thirsty. Before this gets too warm and and, and why we're guzzling it down, let's go through the people that have sent in the speak pipes because um, we're really grateful. Uh, we we did have a good few this month, so let, let let's go through these and, and have a little listen. So first up, uh, we've got Ian, also known as Mappy Man from Twitter. Hello, my name's Ian uh, Mappy Man on Twitter. Long time listener to the podcast, and I noticed the September edition was issue number twelve. So I wanted to be the first to congratulate you on winning your birthday. I'm sure it'll be mentioned on the October podcast. Uh, just touching on the Crooked House um, feature that you had on the last podcast, a few other details that might be of interest. Um, the pub was broken into two weeks before the fire, and what was damaged was the kitchen facilities and the toilets. And I think that led to the uh, reason why Marston sold the pub. They couldn't be bothered to deal with any of that sort of trouble. Um, and then on the night of the fire, a couple of things that weren't mentioned. Um, the fire broke out at the same time there was a huge event going on at Himley Hall over the road. So the fire trucks couldn't get through to the traffic to get to the actual pub to try and deal with it. And the pub exists down the end of a long lane, which um, was blocked by builders' rubble when they got halfway down there. So it all seems deeply suspicious. Uh, sure, it will all come out in the wash when the court case comes about, and I notice a third person's been arrested. But the thing is spreading. I'm sure you'll be aware that there were two pubs set on fire within eyesight of each other in Croydon this week. So I'm hoping that justice will be done for the Crooked House and this can stop. Anyway, keep up the good work, and I think I'm within the 90 seconds. Cheers. So so thanks, Ian, for the birthday wishes there. Um, and he spoke about the... Crooked House as, as as well and some of the things that went on around the, the, the pub. And, and I will just say, just in case there's any legal people listening, what he said was all speculation. None of that was fact. Okay, it was all conjecture. No facts in, in, in there whatsoever. But he seemed to be under the impression that it's uh, that the case isn't closed and it's still ongoing. Um, there's there's since been arrests for the two people who were the, the owners. Okay, 
So, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. So yeah, that that's that's a more recent happening. But I was very pleased to hear that because it's just a very obvious crime. The, the, there's so much too that obvious, was wrong wasn't there. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think I think Ian summed some of that up in in, in his message. So mm-hmm. um, thanks to Ian for that. Next up, we've got a message from David Goddard. Morning, guys. What a fantastic podcast. I've been listening to a few podcasts recently and yours is exactly what I'm looking for. A few different subject matters. It's great. And what a great interview. So uh, thanks very much. You're very welcome, David. Uh, we, we're, we're glad that we're what you're looking for. And and hopefully you'll in, in, enjoy many more podcasts to come. To be fair, ex- exactly when we started this podcast, I wanted it to be the kind of thing that I would l- listen to if as somebody who did listen to beer podcasts that's exactly what i wanted this to be just my ideal beer podcast. so that's nice to hear love it to hear thank you thanks david next up from julian coleman who shared some thoughts about our discussion on the champion beer of britain hey so uh, i was listening to your podcast this evening um where you were discussing the controversy around the champion beer of britain and Abbott Ale coming in second. Uh, and then coincidentally, uh, later on that very evening, I was on a call for camera members about how you got involved with uh, selecting the champion beer of Britain. And I think part of the issue is um, camera members get to vote for the beers that go forward to be nominated to be champion beer of Britain. And by the way the voting works, like beers that are all over the place, like Abbott, are inevitably going to get involved. So, yeah, I don't think there was any cheating. And they say about the blind tasting, they talked about how well the beer was kept. So maybe it was an exceptional barrel or maybe the panel just, I don't know, had an off day. But there it is. It's a, it's a weird one. Um, but anyway. Those are my thoughts. And I think what Julian was saying there was basically what, what we kind of all knew anyway in terms of, again, much like the Good Beer Guide, that the beers are selected by regional committees and regional votes, which is why we see the same old beers coming up time and time again, because that's what the majority of camera drinkers are drinking rather than the the, the vast array of beers that are out there. So I, I think there wasn't um, anything that we didn't know there, but it's, it's, it's good to hear that he got that insight literally from uh, a recent meeting as well in terms of how they go through the process. I, I don't know. I, don't, I think I disagree. I don't think I'd quite, even if it was something that I knew, I don't think it had quite washed over me um, as much as when I was listening to his speak pipe, I thought, do you know what? If somebody just said to me, just pick your favourite beer, which is basically what it sounds like happening, I, I just go, finals uh, uh, yeah every year, year after year, because as far as I'm concerned, it's the best beer that's ever been brewed. And therefore that's not going to change. So rather than rethink my vote every time, I just go, just yow, yow. And it, that sounds like the people that are picking um, Ellen Porter and Abbott Ale every year, just going, even if we've had 50 delicious beers, just going, yeah, but Abbott's still the best. And I think I would probably do the same thing in that situation but that still doesn't make it right. So something needs to alter there. And then, and then finally we had a message from Sean O'Reilly who had a, a slightly different comment for us. 
Hi there, guys. Uh, thanks for the show. Um, really enjoyed listening again. Um, it's Sean here, by the way, um, at Uncrulia. And um, yeah, I just wanted to say um, the whole show was great, but what really made it for me was um, the post credits scene. Um, really appreciated Mark sorting his chickens out. Uh, put me totally in mind of the archers, and I look forward to beer longing coming from the bull and you all enjoying a pint of Shire's Ale. Um, I'm sure it can't be long knowing what a great pub man Mark is. Anyway, I'll leave it there and uh, look forward to hearing you next time. Bye. I love that um, Sean is contrasting Mark's life to being one of being in the archers. It's not unfortunate. It's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> so, that's how it is. Um, yeah. Uh, but no, um, a nice reminder for people to listen to the end of every show because it's it, well worth a bit of a giggle. And uh, and it was lovely to see Sean at Indie Man. Absolutely, we, we we try our best to make the uh, post credits as, as as fun as possible. But uh, thank you to everyone who sent in a, a voicemail this month. Um, it's it's amazing what what happens when you threaten that you're going to stop using something that that, that people all of a sudden start mm. using it. So uh, please keep using the speak pipe because we actually really enjoy listening to those messages when when Definitely. they come in as well, and it does give us something to talk about on 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 the show. So. There's a link in the show show notes and you can click on that and you can record your message and hopefully you'll get featured next month. Now, it's time to put maybe the Carlin Premier into a little bit of context with this month's guest <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that we, we, we spoke to. So each month we do feature a guest who's making their own reverberations in the beer world. This month we are very pleased to be joined by Danny McCall, brewer and co-owner of McCall's Brewery from Evenwood in County Durham. Thanks for joining us on the show, Danny. It's a real pleasure to to have you along. Uh, for our listeners who don't know you, do you want to just give a brief introduction to to who you are in the brewery? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm Danny McCall and co-founder with my lovely wife uh, of McCall's Brewery, based in a delicious little village called Evenwood in County Durham, uh, up in the northeast of England. We have been going for seven and a half years old now, and we just like to, you know, make people happy through drink, producing easy drinking beer, and just having a good fun time whilst we do it, in a nutshell. <laughs> and I think that's how we came across you. Uh, and pretty much. Fixed, um, <laughs> we were all stood there trying to decide what beer we had ne- to have next, and out of the corner of our eye, there were these pink T-shirts jumping up and down in the corner, waving at us, enticing <laughs> us over with the feeling of happiness from the corner. And and we came over and sampled some of your delicious beers and just got chatting from there. And I think you were yeah, uh, infectious, to say the least, for the rest <laughs> of the day in, in terms of, I don't think I've ever seen somebody work probably the equivalent of a 12-hour shift and be so happy throughout the day. Is, is that normal for you? Uh, yeah, I, honestly, ask anyone, ask my wife. I, honestly, I'm blessed. I just absolutely love the place I'm at, the beer that we're knocking out, the opportunity to be at events and just get pissed, basically. So <laughs> why wouldn't you be happy in, in that? So honestly, you'll, you'd be very fortunate to see us in a place where I'm not happy when there's good times to be had. And in the... Um... Obviously, you come from the northeast, Jewish and accent, and where you're based now. 
Um, what was your introduction into beer and pubs like? Date right back to my teenage years. Um, my brother and sister were pretty bad examples for just going out and introducing us when I was quite young to, to alcohol. Obviously, no knowledge or understanding of what was like laying in front of us. But then I got roped into a pub job when I was 16, like literally on the bar with the craziest bar manager I've ever met in, what's that, 24, 25 years of now working in like hospitality or brewing. And he just left a really good impression on us that you can, you can run around like a headless chicken, entertain people while still fulfilling every need of them, pouring pints, keeping them happy, just work in the bar. And that was at the age of 16. I was a spotty, like insular little teenager. And this 21, 22 year old just showed us this crazy world of working behind a bar. Uh, this, that was my local pub around the corner from my mum and dad, just knocking out McEwen's Lager, McEwen's Scotch, Exhibition, and um, McEwen's Export. Just four pints on the bar and just looking after just a hundred people every weekend. It was that was my initial introduction and absolutely loved it. And I've always looked for pub work uh, wherever I've kind of moved around. But if we're talking more like now, more recently, I met my wife in 2004. And her knowledge of Belgian beer was like, there's a different type of beer out there. I, I was blown away. Um, I was used to drinking John Smith's. Uh, Carlin Premier was probably my most uh, oh, sophisticated best, drink. One of the best beers ever made, Carlin Premier. I, it be was on good for bar. dancing. It was good for dancing. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and she just blew my mind. We met 2004. And by the Christmas of that year, she'd bought us a homebrew kit and introduced us to a completely different world of beer. And from there, it's just, this is all her fault, basically. But honestly, like, I've never looked back. It's been such an eye-opener. It's been such an amazing kind of just, I don't know, just, I don't like the word journey. It's constant. But just, I've loved every minute of delving into beer. And I, I kind of had it there from my teenage years of loving working that crowd and kind of like pouring pints. And then just to see this other end of beer, just two worlds married perfectly. What what was the genesis behind the the, the, the brewery? What what made you decide to, to to start a brewery? Obviously you said your 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 wife bought your homebrew kit. Was yeah, was yeah. was that where you first then fell in love with with, with making beer and from that moment you was like, right, I'm, one day there's gonna be a brewery. No, I, I definitely fell in love with making beer at that point. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, when you're reading the books and you're like, Jesus, this sounds really hard and painful and so particular. So I can't, I can't remember making a vow to myself, but I just remember enjoying every minute of it, mucking pretty much every recipe up, getting drunk in the process of making it. And the kitchen was always a bomb site. But just really enjoyed like creating something. I'd never been a creative individual until I met my wife, and she's just like, "Yeah, just chuck it in, just make. She can just make anything from scratch." 
I'm more of a recipe kind of guy. Uh, so from that initial kind of genesis of getting into beer, I loved creating it and having a lot of fun and drinking it, obviously. But the concept of a brewery was nowhere to be seen. I even thought, I'm not that daft to open a brewery. It's probably a lot harder than you ever imagine it. So I stayed clear of it for 10, 11 or 12 years. I stayed clear of it. And then a job came up at a brewery over in Cumbria. And I left my job that I was doing at the time and just literally ended up working full time for a 20 barrel brewery, knocking out 12,000 litres of beer a week uh, in at the deep end and loved it. Wait, yeah, loved it initially. And then that creative, independent spark starts to burn inside of you. So when you opened McCall's, were you always planning to be based where where you are now? Did you think about starting up somewhere a bit more urban or was that always your plan? Since probably the age of 14 or 15, I've enjoyed good times and lived in cities. Didn't learn to drive till I was about 28 or something. Yeah, I think about 28. Um, so by the time, oh God, by about the age of 32, no, not 32, by the age of 30, I'd had enough of like caning it at both ends. So we moved right up into the sticks. And then basically since about 2011, just loved living out in the back of beyond. Like it's a killer for all your daily chores. It's a killer <laughs> to get the band to school. It's a killer to go and see your mates, but just that, that sanctuary, that like relaxation of being out in the middle of nowhere. We've, we've been here for nearly, yeah, probably 13, 14 years now. And, once the concept of a brewery came on board, there was never any doubt that we'd be moving back to metropolises or any kind, even close to any urban centre. We just wanted to retain that way of life where you're just escaping everything. The brewery isn't actually near where I live. It's about a half an hour drive. And even where that half an hour drives to is still in the middle of nowhere. And it's it means that I can't dabble with the brewery. I've got to come home. I've got to get away from work. I don't have the risk of staying and drinking. We've got a tap room. I don't want any of that after hour <laughs> shenanigans anymore. Um, so no, answer to your question. Never tempted to move it anywhere else. And how did you come up with the name? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, do you know what I was? Uh, <laughs> Somebody asked us that question, where did you get the name from? And the, the immediate, I was I was drunk at the time, and I just said, I think it was down to the Highland Clearances back in like the <laughs> 1700s or something like that. Just born upon us. Yeah. Uh, there was never any doubt. We had a, we probably had about a week or two of coming up with silly names, and then we realised that it just wasn't us. I was just like, it's just got to be McCall's. I'm st- I, I love my family. I love what family means. And generally, that's good times and happy times. Sometimes interesting that the current landscape of beer is obviously you, about the time that you were opening, there was a lot of breweries opening. Yeah. Was that on your mind and how you 
attack that space? Are we not even like considering that or perhaps even I won't say aware of it obviously would be aware of it but were you conscious of am I going into too busy a space and do I need to be really competitive or were you just focusing so much on your own thing that it didn't mean it didn't mean a thing you you say you you think you'd be aware of it so the brewery I used to work at was very traditional and my kind of drinking background my kind of preference in beer obviously came from my, like just English culture and then my wife bringing it like from like the Belgian perspective. She's not Belgian, by the way, but uh, I was totally unaware of this craft beer boom that came over from America. Uh, come 2014, 15, and bearing in mind we opened in 2016, I'd never heard of Cloudwater. I'd never heard of Beavertown. I'd never touched it. I was still probably a pint of bitter kind of man or a McEwen's export or a like a Westmarler triple or a Toimont. That's all I was drinking. Sweet, heavy, boozy, kind of traditional styles of beer. Uh, and it probably comes across in the brewery that we don't lean heavily on the American kind of influence. We don't do a lot of hazy IPAs few more now than we've ever done but uh no i was kind of just i went into the industry pretty damn blind uh i consider myself relatively a quick learner but god were my eyes just peeled back wide open i was like this is monstrous this is actually on a really positive note it was so much better than I actually thought it was going to be. I was like, <laughs> Jesus, this is mental. Right, catch up, catch up, start running, start running. Because I'd just come from a uber traditional 4%, uh, 150 casks going out the door every week. And that's all I'd done for five years at the previous brewery. And now we are 5% cask, 95% keg and can in the space of seven years. So I eyes wide shut and then just peeled right back and well, and was it when you were trying to sell the beer that you realized this or what just going out and about that you suddenly realized that very I mean uh, uh, that the years that you're talking about it was already enormous so yeah was um, it going out I'd, into the sales world or what I'd, uh, I'd probably say it was a mixture of having to adapt the business, so being savvy enough to see how deep I was in it and had to adapt. But equally, it did open my eyes to like a totally different scene. So why wouldn't I want to embrace it? Um, we, My, my flavour profile is never going to fully like just turn into a hazy, dipper, tri, tri, dipper, hazy IPA kind of brewery. But I was like, if I don't adapt and open up to these styles, I'm just going to be a granddad trying to wade through this amazing industry. So it was a it was a mixture. It was a mixture of having to adapt, but really enjoying and wanting to embrace it. Or like honestly, that probably happened in the first three years, and it was just shit. <laughs> Boom. So so obviously where where you're based, how, how does McCall's fit into the the local community? You mentioned that you. Open the the tap room up at the weekend. 
Yeah, man. It, wait, it's in my name. It's on my logo. It's on my shirt. We, we couldn't be prouder. Uh, and I'm a proud Geordie, but we've just been taken in by the community at Evenwood. They are they, they are they are salt of the earth. They're an ex um, Coke production village. So the site of the brewery is actually where the Coke furnaces and where actually the exact footprint of the brewery is where the quenching re reservoir used to be for the furnaces. Um, and there is, there's an old timer. He must be getting on for 80 year old who drinks at the tap room and can't believe that uh, it is where it is and that there's a bar there to sit and drink. Um, I could wax lyrical about how much the like how 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 happy we are, how lovely they are, how much fun and good times we have. But something summed it up for at the recent Oktoberfest we just done uh, about four weeks ago. A guy came up to us at the end of the night and he said, Do "You know what? Uh, Evenwood is famous for its like coke production within the northeast," and he said. Now it's because we've got a brewery. And I was like, oh, that's just like, that was, he kind of was just opening his heart to us. And I was kind of tearful. So no, I absolutely love it. It reminds us of where I was brought up in Newcastle. So a very similar mentality, just solid working class people that like yeah. a drink at the weekend. It's interesting that you've got an old timer, as you call them, coming into the brewery tap. Um, and I think, well, I think it's the same all over England, but you you almost feel it as some kind of like northerner from um, towns that were industry. Ours was yeah. an old cotton town, things like that. That there's still that element of people that use the pub in a very very traditional way that don't have access to that anymore. And you'll have been aware of that if you've been working in pubs since sixteen. I yeah. mean. It'll, it'll be important to you how, how you, you how do you feel when you get to see somebody like that in your pub who you because things have changed so much even in 20 25 years that you've seen people use the pub very differently 25 yeah, years right. ago as they do now yeah. and yet you remember those people and think you kind of wonder what happened to those people so it i, I feel like i'm answering the question before i've even asked it but how, how does that feel it, yeah, I think you've you've described it pretty well there. That there's almost like two styles of pubs, and hopefully we've made one where both kind of audiences collide, and they're all definitely welcome. Uh, but we're obviously based in a much more traditional drinking culture, and I'd say there's definitely that feel to a tap room that it's more of the Worked hard at the week, going to enjoy myself at the weekend. Um, we're, we're age groups, probably closer to 40 than 25. Um, people know how to enjoy themselves, but in that gen... I mean, mother wouldn't let us have it any other way. That They get drunk, but they're just really happy, enjoyable drunks. There's never a pick-a-bother. It's uh, that lovely... I find it really comforting because it's it harks back to the way I was brought up and the pubs that I was drinking in. And the pubs I kind of prefer to drink in still 
are them traditional easygoing ones where the crack and the atmosphere is almost or, or actually is as important as what's getting served out of the taps. You can flip that on its head and I'd never want to denigrate like other drinking establishments or ways of enjoying yourself. I love going to the bright lights of the city and getting me me third of Imperial Stout and pontificating over it for half an hour. Um, but I, I know which drinking establishment I prefer. We we were going to get to this point eventually, Danny, but uh, yeah. we've got to talk about pies. Yeah, I've been thinking yeah, about pies. Yeah, 100%. We, we have been all this is this has been the thing that we've been most excited talking to you about because one, we all love pies, um, yeah. and 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 two, we, we we all love important causes as as well. So you've you've obviously done these two beers with a uh, local charity, um, yeah. See if I can get the names right now. Let's eat pies and talk about men's mental health. Uh, cool. is, that's, is, is, that's the name of the beer. That, yeah. That's the name of the beer. So you've you've done you've done two of those, two yeah. two different versions uh, of the beer, but therefore uh, a, a local charity. Do you want to yeah. talk to us about how that collaboration came about and why it was important for you to get involved? Yeah, man. Um, so the men's pie club. Uh, or their initial, is it a company? Uh, they're a social enterprise. Um, was Food Nation based up in Newcastle, who just basically do outward-looking events and bringing in socially deprived communities into food environments. And they eventually, and I didn't know anything about them, they eventually opened a restaurant in a uh, rundown uh, part of Newcastle. And somehow, I can't even tell you how it initially came about, we ended up supplying them with beer. And their founder is like the main guy in their business. So he's, he doesn't shy away. He kind of, he's in the thick of it. And we just got on like a house on fire from day one, just really like open and honest and generous. And like he got what, good beers about because he was making good food with good people and we just always kept in touch supply like every time i delivered beer to him it would be like half an hour 45 minute chat over a cuppa and just putting the world to right and then during covid um no so actually backtracked a tiny bit before that they already had men's pie club set up before covid but it was a one venue operation uh, of a weekend. So I'd never heard of Men's Pie Club and anybody outside a biker had never heard of Men's Pie Club. And COVID hit and he just rang us up at the beginning of November, I think, 2020. He just went, Danny, you're the only person I can kind of just talk to. Can we do something? I know you'll be up for it like okay what can we do he's like can we just like get a beer make a really positive message and just get it out to as far and wide as possible uh his main motivation was that january so this was in the november january's the biggest suicide like peak for men uh across the year obviously the rest of the year is extremely important but he knew the message would cut through 
in January. So literally from that first phone call to getting the beer out was about four weeks. We literally, we got everything donated by every supplier from the labels, the cans, the malt, the hops, every single thing. And we, from putting the phone down to getting the beer out, literally turned it around in time for Christmas, sold out the entire batch in like four weeks. By by the new year, it was all gone um, and raised a good chunk of money for them pretty much straight away. And that phone call, that initial phone call, I, I don't know. if let, Let's say we get big and famous one day. I'll have to fight Jamie, the guy from Men's Pie Club, as to who came up with the name. We can't remember, but it was that initial phone call and somebody just said, like, let's eat pies and talk about men's mental health. And it literally went down on the label. We had to design it. We knew it had to be really just about the message. And we just pff, turned it around, got it out there, started talking about it. And it's kind of become our little thing now, our thing to talk about, which we would never have envisaged. So I, I couldn't be prouder than Punch. And Jamie, the main man at Men's Pie Club, he can't believe the way it's developed. So bring it on. Keep on pushing it, talking. Talk more about men's mental health. They actually don't have a remit to tackle men's mental health. Uh, it was something that I kind of suggested, but it was, so they look into social isolation and a lack of belonging. So in the Northeast, if you go back 50 years, working men were the centre of probably the universe, like whether it was to do with Newcastle United or the pits or the dockyards or... Like, just their community, the men were the centre of it in the last 50 years. And for good or for bad, their communities and that sense of belonging has just been stripped away. So the reason the venues pop up in generally quite deprived or old working-class communities is because that lack of belonging, that self of that sense of self-isolation is massive in them communities. That's not to say it doesn't go on elsewhere, but it is very prevalent in them old working-class communities that have been stripped away over the last 50 years. So I wouldn't like to say that's their exclusive definition of why they pick a venue, but it definitely feels like that's... A bloody good reason to do it. Again, it's something that's more prevalent in these small communities that you don't realise the things that were stripped away by just small niches. Like I come from like colliery places where um, colliery band clubs yeah. were a thing. You know, the brass band club was a place where people met that worked in the same ways that other working men's club, engineers clubs that I know, yeah. were, you know, the dock clubs that exist around... Hartlepool, um, as much as like the Labour and Conservative clubs and things like that, a lot of which have gone now yeah, in that yeah. area. And it's almost like if in the 50s the Pie Club had just existed, people would just be like, oh, yeah, you know the Pie Club down the road. 
it would have just been a thing. Yeah. And if we yeah. said, oh, th th that's where people meet. And that's the thing. Those those things have gone because the things that made them a social place to meet up, like the dockyard workers and things like that, is and gone. So where do people go to meet? So it's, you know, it's not about men's mental health exclusively. No, no. But it's, it's the working man or the working woman. It's just that the... the Places that where they went just don't exist anymore yeah, as yeah. a thing, yeah. and so that's it. That the the men's pie club could have actually been an, a physical venue um, w within the last fifty, sixty years. And, yeah, man. And pe people forget the, the, how big those things were and how important they were. Yeah, um, just for people's general well-being. Yeah, sense sense of community just isn't as strong anymore, especially yeah. among, amongst men. Yeah, e Evenwood had, including, because there's another village on the site called Evenwood Gate, probably had about four or five pubs in a small, like a maybe it's a 2,000 population village. And when we set up, there was two. And when we opened the tap room, well, now there's only one pub in the village. And for multiple reasons, people don't go there. So literally, when we opened the tap room, people came in and they were like, we cannot believe you've done this in our village because there was nowhere for the community to get together. Whether men, young, old, women, black, white, whatever, there was nowhere in this backwater village to actually commune and to tackle social isolation, uh, to have a sense of belonging and community. So men's pie club, and I hope they spread throughout the land. They need to be in so many places because it just gives people a little date in their diary to go and see their mates, to get out of their house and just ch chat shit <laughs> rather than staring at the same four walls. And that, for me, is humongous. And the benefits, I've seen the benefits are massive to just getting out talking to people this is the thing about pubs that you yeah know, doesn't get recognized enough and I, I find in in you know certainly the modern beer industry full of instagram posts and things like that the things the thing that gets forgotten about is the the idea of the pub you know and people always say you know the local pub shuts in they're all but shit anyway i never went in it didn't serve any good beer and it's like but that was somebody's pub yeah, and it, it and when the local community no longer have a pub, and it's the people that, especially the older generations, and you know, quite often the men that just nipped out for a pint. Yeah, you, you know, I, I always say that I wanted to be the guy that that was in his seventies who sat at the in the corner of the pub and didn't speak to anybody, and everyone be like. Mark over there who just comes in here, doesn't speak yeah, to right. anyone, has, has four pints and go home. I was like, I can't wait for that to be me. <laughs> I can't wait to retire and for that to be me. But nobody gets the chance to be that now because there isn't no. a pub at the end of the road and people no. are like, yeah, but there's a really good place in Manchester City Centre to go. It's like, what yeah. does that mean to somebody that lives 10 miles out? Yeah, man. Um, I genuinely remember from when I was working at that first pub around the corner from my mum and dad, there was a guy like that he used to live with his mother. He was about 60 year old. He obviously was dealing with a lot of stuff. And he used to come in and just have a pint of scotch. 
and just enjoy that pint and go home. And the effect of that, just 15, 20 minutes on his week must have been immense. Massive, and, absolutely yeah, exactly. massive, and that's good. That, that's ultimately what you are describing there. That's what you want to be, isn't it, Mark? Just that have that place where you can just go and dip in and out. Yeah, hundred percent. And you get that taken away from you. And where do you go? Where do people go? Mm-hmm. And obviously, that has a massive effect on loneliness, social I- isolation, all the things that yeah. the men's pipe was tr- trying to uh, tackle. And that's why it's so important. In actually, the smaller communities in some ways i don't want to see a men's pie club happening at cloudwater brewery no or whatever i want to i want to see it happening in the smaller communities because that's where it's needed the most the, other than hosting the the, the yeah. pie club at, at the tap room the, the the two beers that you've produced also yeah. you, you donate a certain percentage of the that the profits to back to the pie club don't you yeah um and, and i think when we when we met you at amity fest you had just uh was it you just reached four thousand pound? Yeah, was, yeah, was it just, with yeah, the, yeah. the the second beer beer that you've you've released, which is uh, an oatmeal stout? I think the first yeah. one was a was a black and oh, white pepper so, bitter. It was yeah. indeed. It was. Yeah. Stunning. That sounds very intriguing. That's like most of the pie filling, other than the meat. Exactly. <laughs> that that was the whole. That was it, man. That was the logic behind it, Nate. Oh, it was divine, man. And it wasn't even a weird beer. It was just a seasoned bitter. That's all it was. It was just a height, like just embellishment of pepper. That's yeah. all it was. It was oh I'd I'd hark back stunning. and brew that beer again. Oh, it was absolutely gorgeous beer. I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed yeah, the can I had of it. I never never had the pleasure of of, of trying it on, on draft, but I can imagine you, you know, draft version of that would have uh, at the tap room with, with a yeah, pie. Yeah, yeah. Perfect combination there that's that's ticking a lot of boxes um since so, so you've done you've done the oatmeal stout as as, yeah. as well um is is there are there other beers planned in a series or are you, you you're quite comfortable with where you're at now in terms of those those two beers that you've made to support the the, the charity now nah, man we're just we're gonna keep on pushing it just keep on pushing it uh january so takes a lot of logistics but we get the men's pie club out the First week in January, so it means coming in on over Christmas to look after the beer. But we're packaging a 100% cask batch of a very uh, topical 3.4% uh, cask <laughs> IPA come January the 4th. So you no cans this time. You have to find a pub. You have to get yourself up to the northeast if you want to probably drink it. Um, but a hundred percent cask version of it coming out in January. Um, we're good. That's going to be with format for that beer all of the time. Mm-hmm. So every yeah. January there'll be a new version of Let's Eat Pies and Talk About Men's Mental Health. Brilliant. But and I can't say too much more. We do have a a big project. I'm going to sit, commit and say a big project happening late spring, early summer. It's obviously a, a cause that's very close to, you, to to you, Danny, and it, yeah, it's man. great to hear the 
the the ongoing support that you're giving to to, to men's pie club as 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 well and i think it's uh it is an important cause and it's it's uh as, as i say men's mental health is some is, is something that sometimes gets overlooked um yeah. and and i think the more that people can talk about it and and the more men that you know actually can admit when that they've got an issue and need someone to talk to then 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 the better will all be for that really 100 um, so so good luck with the uh with, with the next version of it and and the Cheers, big project that's coming um just to start bringing this to to an end i mean we, we could literally <laughs> chat to you all, all night long uh but we we do have other things that we need to talk yeah, about we on, have a life. um <laughs> Any any other major plans for for, for McCall's uh, next year? Or can can we expect to see you around the country at, popping up at little festivals and selling wonderful beers and enticing people into your corner with your infectious behaviour? Fingers crossed. We have a an agenda. We have all the dates marked that we want to attend. Like honestly, even if we don't get invited to pour at them, where endeavouring to turn up anyway actually just turn up anyway <laughs> because we haven't been doing it like i'm just getting used to it i didn't even know the world existed three years ago so just we're looking to get out and just get with face known next year if we can be invited to x y and z festival we'll be there with bells and whistles on it so so up, up to us to get the get the word out and tell, tell people we the calls yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. down to us. To be fair, we just need to keep on banging the drum as well, and yeah, see what happens. Well, you've been on six podcasts in the last month, so that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dulcet tones. <laughs> won't, won't be sure of people knowing about McCall's Brewery by the end of yeah. this year. That's that. That's for sure. Um, well, what we'll do is we'll put a link in the show notes to where people can find out all about McCall's and we'll also put links to Men's Pie Club as well so people can see how they can support that going forward. And I suppose all that's left to say is thank you so much for your time. It's It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and to share this conversation with our listeners as well. I think um, this is one that people are going to enjoy and, and, and give <laughs> us some really positive feedback on as well. Right. So. Appreciate it, Danny. Thank you. Honestly, guys, thank you very much for just letting me drivel on for an hour or so. Uh, I like any opportunity to talk beer and spout about Men's Pie Club, so thank you for just inviting us on. It's been an and, absolute and pleasure. And coming up to the bar and just getting a beer at Amity, because <laughs> that was it. That's where it started. That's <laughs> That was the start of a beautiful relationship. Yeah, right, right, right <laughs> there. <laughs> Cheers, Danny. You're Cheers. very welcome, Steve. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Chaps, I don't know about you, but I had a really fun time chat chatting to Danny on on that interview. Um, I know when we first met him at Amity Fest, we found him to be this hive of enthusiasm and excitement, and I think that came through on 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 that conversation as well. What what a what a lovely guy and. What, what a great mission he set out on to um, just create a community around his brewery. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's just a real shame that we had to stop talking to Danny because we had other things we needed to, to discuss. A, a vast array of people that work in this brewing industry and sometimes the people that get the biggest spotlight always maybe sound, come, come under that umbrella of people thinking they're a bit, 
hipsterish, which isn't a word that I particularly like, but I suppose everybody knows what I'm talking about if I say it. And there's just a vast array of people that really like beer and are working in this industry. And Dan is the polar opposite of a lot of people that get maybe put front and centre in podcasts. And it's good to hear voices like that who are just a contrasting voice. Neither is right or wrong. Everyone's right to be in this industry and enjoy it the way they do. But it's really... I really liked hearing a very different voice to one that I've heard before in this industry, which is just flat out, just honesty, just great northeastern honesty about. Yeah. You know, it was oh, yeah. terrific. <laughs> Danny yeah. McCall is just the definition of good vibes. Yeah, and the fact that we're all drinking Carlin Premier off the back of it. So oh, disco juice. Well done, yeah. Thank yeah. you very much, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're having McEwen's export on the next show. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Rather than buying Danny's um, beer that he's actually fucking brewing, we all went and bought Carlin Premier instead. <laughs> so he's maybe not the best salesman, but <laughs> we had a good time anyway. We we had, we had a great time chatting to him, and what you've just heard is is just a snippet of just how good a time we we had with Danny. And if you want to hear the full-length version of that interview, as always, that is available on Patreon. You can sign up and support us over there for just £1 a month. Um, there's a link in the show notes and you get access to all of the unedited interviews that, that, that we do with our guests. And occasionally there's a that there's a special guest and a special feature that we drop over there on, on Patreon as, as well. And I just want to take this opportunity, seeing as it's our birthday, seeing as we're a year in, just to say a big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters as well. All 21 of you, I think there are at the moment. So thank you all. Um, that, that money that you contribute does help. And as we said in the last show, you know, it took a massive chunk off of the Zoom fees for, mm-hmm. for, for us this year. And that really helps because Zoom isn't cheap to, to put buy on an annual basis. And, and anything that you can do to help us reduce those costs is, is muchly appreciated. It's uh, it's extremely heartwarming that you would want to pay a pound a month to listen to the unedited version of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it means I do minimal work. I mean, I, there's when we say it's unedited, that there are a few bits taken out, like coughs and splutters, and maybe the odd word that we drop in that we don't want to feature. Um, but it's largely the conversation as it happened um, for you to listen to. So yeah, thanks everyone who continues to support us there. You have no idea how hard me and Rob make Steve's job. <laughs> on I'm, purpose a lot of the time yeah, I'm glad you said it and not I <laughs> my my Carlin Premier's gone I, I think because it's that nice because it was that good that's why it's time for us to dig into the back of our cupboards to, to see what the final beer is for each of us on this birthday bonanza Rob, what have you found lurking in the back of your cupboard or in the back of your fridge? Um, I have got one of the beers that was very kindly sent to us by Indie Rabble Brewing Company, their um, collection of collaborations. And this one is between them and Two Flints, brewed at Two Flints, I believe, and it's their neighbour's Hazy Pale Ale, 4.5% volume. And it's, uh, it's Mosaic and Eldorado Hops. And it's 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 pretty decent. I have to say, from these um, the few that I've tried so far, 
I'm excited about what Indirable are doing. And like whenever I've like mentioned the collaboration I've been trying, they've always been able to comment and say what they have coming up on their own brewing kit that's very similar to that. So I think it's gonna be the the sort of the sort of beers that we like to drink. I tried uh I think the first two of their own beers yeah. on, on, on draft uh, at the weekend. One of them was a um a hazy parallel, which was really, really tasty. And one was a, a West Coast IPA, which absolutely nailed the style. Um, you'll you'll have to forgive me for not instantly remembering the names of both of those, but they're they're quite widely available right now. And yeah, I think um I think we got a brief glimpse of what they were gonna be capable of achieving in that box of collaborations that they sent to us. And I think now they're out there on their own, that they, they are very much living up to their ambitions in that box. You know what? I've just had another gulp of this, and this is this is really quite delicious, actually. It's full on like um Clementine, like orangey. It's, it's delicious. Okay, so I've found the names. Um Mantle, which is a New England parallel. Um, that was the Hazy Pal, really delicious. And then the Mob Has Arrived, which was their West Coast IPA, cracking beers. And and I, I, I do think Indie Rabble are going to be, um, I think they're going to be one of those breweries to watch over the next year because I think they're going to be churning out some really interesting beers. What's in your glass, Mark? Uh, I deliberate for a long time as to what would be both special but also potentially drinkable because so much <laughs> of my stash is not. Um, and I decided to relate it in some way to the show and have predictably gone for a tall side beer and a smoked beer. Um, but is the heavy rauk with cherries, which was a beer they brewed specifically for the 2019 smoke fest which was actually the last smoke fest that they did in person four years ago before this one due to covid and then the rail strikes last year so it's four years old um so the heavy rauk was a long boiled version of their rauk wine which i assume in brewing terms means something Maybe that it's longer boiled. I don't know. Um, but there was an addition of cherries. It's 11.5% and it's now aged for four years. It was worryingly flat when it came out. I mean, it's still flat now. But it's, <laughs> it's, I, not it, it, it's, it's not raised with body as it's been going on, but it's just absolutely delicious. It's it's It's... It was a good choice of birthday beer. It's one of those beers because I think there's a raspberry. There's cherries and raspberry. There's definitely another version, and then a normal version. And I've got them all, and the, them kind of like beers. There's a, you know, where you've got a, a few things because because this was a one-off brew where you're like, well, they might never never brew it again, so I can't possibly drink that last bottle of it I've got because then I'll never get to have it again. But then it'll just stay in my stash forever and be ruined. So I was. There was never a good time to have these, but I thought I'll have to have one of them for our first birthday. That was a good time, good excuse to be having something. And I'm glad I do because I, I don't particularly think these are going to get better with age, but it's, it's still absolutely delicious. So that is what I've chosen for my birthday tipple. 
What have you chosen, Steve? I have got... Um, right, there's a lot of words on this bottle, so I'm not really sure where to start. It's from Destruis. Uh, this is Sint Amatus Reserva, Oost Valerton 12, which is a dark quadruple from Flanders, matured in Woodward, Woodford Reserve bourbon barrels for two years. Um, and it's a, it's a beast of a beer. It's, uh, what is it, 10.5%. Uh, it is very delicious. I mean, it is. It's very um, the, the the bourbon's coming through quite heavy. It's very warming on the finish. Oh, it's quite sharp on the finish <laughs> as well. I mean, that's only a year. That's only a year old as well. Bottled date. So it was bottled on the twenty sixth of the eleventh, twenty twenty one, and then they add five years onto that for best before. So I've probably gone halfway through its life. So while we are finishing off this final round of beers, let's um, we were going to talk about some of the highlights in terms of some of the guests that we've featured over the last year. So, so obviously what we try and do is bring different voices, people that you may not have heard elsewhere, to, to belong in to talk to us about their experiences, beer, beer culture, everything that we like to talk about. So we've not always had a guest uh, every month because it's not always been possible, but we have featured quite a range of guests uh, over the last year. And there are certainly a few that stand out for me, but I'm I'm going to come to, to, to one of you guys first. Mark, who who have been some of the standouts for, for you in terms of some of the best conversations that we've had? Uh, well, what, one of our my early favourites was our second guest, which who was David Jesu Darson, who at the time was somebody I'd been following on Twitter for a while, had written some of my favourite articles about beer for a number of years across various publications, um, and was also being a big Arsenal fan himself. I'd had some good banter about football um, on social media and I was really pleased to get him on quite early on. I was so thrilled. But it's just the way that he was almost uncontrollable as a guest because he just <laughs> just he just wanted to talk and talk and it was so fantastic. Uh, and we were so new to interviewing that we just didn't know what to really do with him. Um, I, th- I think I think he was probably the reason why we decided to do the Patreon. Yeah, be- yeah. because because we came out of that saying we we had to stop him from talking, and it was really difficult to get a, a, a usable amount to put in the show. But there's so much that we didn't put in the show that we want people to hear. Yeah, and I think that's Absolutely. where our discussion started about shall we do a Patreon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he was such a just terrific guy. So, and this was all before his book came out, and yeah. his star has absolutely skyrocketed this year, and deservedly so. So, so David was a great, and, and I've got to admit that the, 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 one of the things that stands out to me with that chat we had with David, and 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 again, and unfortunately, I say unfortunately, it's only a pound if you want to listen, but our, our Patreon listeners would, would have heard us trying to get out of the interview at the end and David just wanting to talk to Rob about his rugby shirt. <laughs> I, I, I was desperately trying to end the interview and David was just like, no, I want to talk about this rugby shirt you're wearing. And I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, you know, we've already been chatting for an hour. We spend more time with him in the pub is what we need. So absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, David, David, great guest. And early on, early doors as well, like you say, Mark, good to get him on re- really early and, and have have the conversation with him. Um any, anyone else for, for, for you, Mark, that, that that stands out? Well, well I, th- I think I said 
um, when we were discussing guests before we even started this show, and David was one, I said I, w- I wanted to talk about to somebody about neurodivergence in and how it affects them in beer spaces. So I was really pleased when we got to speak to Chris Norman. I think that was episode seven. Um, it was a topic that I really wanted to discuss, who, which I knew next to nothing about, was really almost ignorant about and just hadn't give it too much thought and I was really wanted to explore it and understand it further and I was really pleased that Chris came on because it was I know it was a big deal for him not not a big deal to appear on our show but it was was, you know for, for Chris to have the chance to get to share his experiences was something that I know he appreciated so and I learned so much and I was so glad that we did that interview. I really was. I was so pleased. So yeah, Chris Norman, fantastic guest. Probably, yeah, probably one agree. of the, uh, the, the more down to earth conversations that we've had with, with, with a guest. It was, um, I, I know what we strive for here is conversations that you'd hear in a pub. And, and I think that was that, that absolutely was the epitome of that. It was, it was the four of us just chatting and, and and that conversation could have happened in any pub in any part of the country, but we happened to, to to capture it on 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 a recording and we were able to share that with the world. And yeah, I I, I really enjoyed our time with Chris. Just shows yeah. just the importance of social media that we all end up kind of knowing very different people around around the country and then to as you say to get the opportunity to to chat to Chris for an hour. It's definitely a man I would very much like to spend more time with. Which I feel like uh, uh, that happens with a lot of our guests, which yeah, is yeah. great because that's, again, the environment we're trying to create as well. And just you end every interview just thinking, I, w- I-, I wish I wish we were in a pub where there were, you know, the- there was a couple more rounds to last orders and we could just keep this going. So. Well, well, I think well, even but... even this month when when we we had the conversation with Danny, I think the, the three of us were like trying to coordinate diaries as to when we can go up to Evenwood just to spend a, a an yeah. evening at a tap room mm. with him, weren't we? I feel like we were calling that interview to a close because I thought I'm just going to stay here and just carry on opening beers whilst talking to him. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I think all of us were up for. Yeah. It was like a Tuesday night, wasn't it? It was like a random and, and Tuesday think, night, yeah. And I think that's been the same with every guest that we've had as well. So it's you, people that aren't specifically mentioned here, that has been the feeling with every guest is like, I'm just going to carry on cracking open beers and just chatting with this person. It just, just feels like being in the pub. So what about yourself, Rob? Anybody that stands out for you? Um, A couple, really, other than... The, the two we've just spoken about. Emmy Harrison West was absolutely fantastic to talk to. Just these are the sort of voices that we need to be hearing more from someone. It's just an absolute joyful person, but also has very important things to say. Her words are very powerful. No, I, I really love chatting to Emmy, and I, I really, uh, Emmy's got rights quite strong opinion pieces on uh, the, the Metro site, which are usually met with the the usual yeah, the dick, comments. D- dickhead comments. I, yeah, as you would expect. And to be 
that strong to come out and just carry on make, trying to make the world a, a better place whilst in the face of that all the time. I can't. We, do, we don't have to deal with that. No, we, we, all, we, no. we never have to deal with that. We, we just get just the minor minorest things of comments compared to what Emmy has to deal with all the time. So her strength in continuing to put herself out there all the time is fantastic. And yeah, just a brilliant guest. Really great guest. Um, and, and another one that stood out for me as well was when we spoke to Greg Beitman in the, the mental health special again, just hearing a lot about his experiences being an ex-professional rugby player who used to play for Leicester Tigers who are my team. So that was that was very cool for me. But just we just had a very honest conversation because we didn't know Greg especially. It was just really cool to really get quite deep about his personal experiences and then to then it really influenced everything we spoke about in the rest of the episode as well and kind of really encouraged us to open up. What would you say would be a standout guest for you, Steve? I think, so first of all, what I want to say is that when we talk about standout guests and favourite guests, I, I don't want that to devalue all of our guests because I'm massively appreciative of every guest that's given up time to to talk to us over the last year because everybody's had a slightly different story to tell. It's just that some of those stories maybe have resonated a little bit more or have landed a little bit more on a personal level with us. So I think think the two that I'm going to highlight are probably the first and the last. So it it was great that when we did our first podcast, we had Ruth Mitchell on from Elusive. Ruth is a long-term friend of mine. She's been on previous iterations of this podcast and it was great to have her back to kind of launch what we were doing but to also um R- Ruth is uh very honest with her views and her um opinions but she will always challenge back as well and I, I think Ruth challenged back and I I, I enjoy being challenged and uh, I think that set the tone for where we were going with belonging and mm-hmm. then for, for me, the last interview that we did with Sophie Durand from Burnt Mill was absolutely um, a real favourite of mine. I think the fact that we ended up putting out nearly an hour and 15 minutes of unedited content on Patreon of, of that discussion, and even the discussion that went out on the show was 45 minutes long, which is the longest interview we've ever put out on a show, just, just shows the magnitude of um, experience, knowledge and um, life that, that Sophie yeah. brought to that interview for, for, for me. So that they would be the two that, that, that I would highlight. I'll tell you what, um, in terms of speaking to a head brewer, her experience is completely different to certainly anyone I've ever spoken to before, let alone anyone we've um chatted to on the podcast yeah and um i i think that's that that that's the thing you, you know we've i've said it a lot and i don't i really don't want to feel like i'm i'm banging that sales drum in terms of sign up to patreon listen to all these great conversations we have but actually we do have these great conversations with people and 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 what you hear on the final podcast is always a very shortened version of that 
that the bigger conversations that we have we 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 put up there on Patreon, and I, th- I think we've also had um, two conversations on Patreon with people that are friends to us as well. So Andy Parker and Russ Clark have have done Patreon specials with us where they've spoken to us about beers specific beers that they're brewing and the processes behind that but they've also come to us kind of as friends as well to have those discussions again it's that four people sat around a table having a beer just enjoying the conversation and i I just i i do enjoy i do enjoy those conversations conversations that we we have i mean i enjoy all of the conversations with with our guests and as i said earlier I, i am grateful for the guests giving up their time i think it's um it's it's not necessarily what makes the show, but it's an important element of what we of what we put out as part of belonging is bringing you these other voices from within the industry. I mean, before we started doing this, it it's not something that I'd ever done. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a journalist. I don't interview people, but a lot I, I enjoy speaking to people, different people, hear about their experiences and. This for me has definitely been a highlight of the last year to just speak to different people who I probably would never have like sat down for an extended period of time with to speak to them before. Otherwise, sorry. No, I think when you look back over that last um, twelve shows, that I said when we were going into this. what I wanted to achieve, and then Rob got on board and Steve got on board. We all agreed this is what we were setting out to achieve, is that if we're going to talk to people, it's for a purpose, there's a reasoning behind it. And, you know, occasionally, a bit like us having a step back last month, we just felt a bit overwhelmed with not the pressure of it. We're, we're putting pressure on ourselves to do it. But then you look, you, it's been nice to look back on this year and go, yeah, we've achieved what we set out to do. We're, we're doing all right. It's, it's been good. It's been good. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. It, we, we have achieved what we set out to achieve. And and we'll continue to do that as, as, as well. We'll continue to try and feature people who aren't being featured elsewhere, who have got a different voice, who have got a different view, those are the sorts of people we want to have. And if if you, our listeners, want to suggest anyone that should be on the show, let let us know, um, and and we'll certainly take Even that if under it's consideration. Yeah, if yeah, if you if you want to come on the show 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 and talk about something, and and it's a it's a valid point, we'll absolutely. Mm give you that full seat and that you are welcome to, to to join us we should probably wrap up or start to wrap up um so let's head into any other business it's the end of this belonging show my friend we've got a couple of things this month that we just want to touch on quickly uh mark you've got a couple of points that you wanted to talk about i couldn't let this month go without talking about the various blunders from cask mark which may have formed reverberations but i don't think we've got anything else to say beyond them being stupid decisions um one being a decision to promote cask ale week on gb news and the other a ridiculous 
decision. Like, you, you, you thought it couldn't get worse than that, and then Kaskmark came out and said, no, but, hold my beer. It's like they doubled yeah. down on it, wasn't it? Yeah. And here's our new design for a T-shirt, just exclusively for Cascade Week, which is, was the choice between two terrible choices and put forward by Lancaster, somebody that works for Lancaster Brewery. I don't know if it's Lancaster Brewery on their own, so I don't want to put um, drag their name through the mud. I suppose relevant to what we talk about in terms of Brave Noise earlier when it comes to the T-shirts, uh, what we're we seeing as as a massive difference. Well, I'll tell you one thing we're not seeing that's particularly different is the absolute misunderstanding from an enormous side of beer drinkers still, and then what felt like just a small minority of Twitter users just shouting about the disgrace of the chosen. Um, slogan and the connotations behind it which I'm not going to repeat on this podcast um, for the, the, the t-shirt that they use for Cascale Week and the the response and the back and forth and the misunderstanding now I know, I know there's been some further discussions since then but it's just it's just tiring it's just tiring again because what it was is a lot of defensive conversations. We don't get it. There's only one person that's been offended. There's this, there's that. Thing, things that you don't understand. And this is why, we, we, yeah, we're not making much progress. It goes back to what we were saying before. No, there's actually been very fucking little progress. It, it, it's it's fair to say that d- despite everything that we've discussed tonight in terms of the things that we've discussed in the last year, the things that our guests have discussed in, 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 in the last year is, is that these things are still happening and we, we still need to get better and we need to, we still need to think a little bit more uh, about the things that we're doing um, because sometimes things like this happen and they land badly and they're ill thought out and they should have been put in the, draft folder for 24 hours before somebody hit send on it it's as it's as simple as that um but well, we can do better because one of our former guests david jester darson was at the forefront of fighting against this thing he even put a template that we could send to um cask mark about this and i know that i followed through on that and he encouraged other people to do it so it was stronger voices out there that are doing things like that better than we are and we have to admit that um yep. and so if we can follow people's lead like that and just do the absolute bare minimum like david encouraged us to do then it does get looked at which it did so that's something that we can all be doing well there we go and that's that's the message that that, that we should be putting out there <laughs> absolutely um, in in the interests of how we do any other business, let's go around the table. Rob, anything from you? I don't. No. I don't think I have anything to add. No shock and surprise. <laughs> if I did, it's just been wiped out of my brain. Okay, excellent. As always, we should probably mention the Crimbo Crawl, seeing as this is the last show that goes out before it actually happens. And oh, yeah. and and if anyone's actually coming to Liverpool, then we should probably tell them what's happening. Um, Still don't know what's happening, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, 
we're, we're there on the 1st and 2nd of December. I, I, I still think the plan... In Liverpool. See you in, later. Right. In, in Liverpool, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I, I think, Rob. Thanks, Steve. I think the plan on the 1st of December <laughs> is to go to Neptune's Beer House, which is quite a way outside the, the, the city centre, but I'm sure if we could coordinate cabs and that sort of thing, um, or if people want to get themselves there, that, that that's what it's going to be there, where we're going to be. Well, we, we will put something out on, on a social. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> to, as, as to what's happening and, yeah, and then the, sat- like an the, the, the Saturday we know where we want to go but we're still planning on the best way to visit that. The, the problem with Liverpool is there's there, there's lots on one side of the city there's lots on the other side of the city there's nothing in the middle and, and it's trying to take in the best of both worlds that encompasses all of that so we're trying to work out the best way that we can make that happen but first and second of december in liverpool come join us we should probably uh draw this birthday bonanza to a close just a reminder to our listeners if you do listen on spotify you'll see that there's a question about this show's um this month's show in the on on the feed where you listen to your podcast that you can respond to now we had a few people respond to the last show's question which was great and we love that we love that we're getting interaction elsewhere so yeah yeah and some you can uh, we're not going to read them out here but go on to spotify if you're a spotify user go on spotify look at the last show and you'll see the question that we asked and the answers that people responded to we're going to ask another one about this show we don't know what it is yet because i won't decide that until i do the edit so it's as it's as simple as that basically and if you're on spotify also you can leave reviews on there now so leave us a five-star review as well because it does help promote the podcast and that brings us finally, I'm sure many of you are very pleased to hear the word finally, <laughs> um, to the end of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Beer O'Clock Show for all the latest updates on the show and the Crimbo Crawl um, and what I'm up to. Mark, where can listeners find you? Uh, they can find me on uh, Twitter and Blue Sky now. Please follow me there. I'm relatively new. I've not even posted anything as we record. At Mark N. Johnson, and I am Mark underscore B underscore Complication on Instagram. And I am Rob underscore Edwards90 on Twitter and Instagram. I haven't uh, I haven't bought myself to join the other thing yet. Thank you all for joining us for this birthday bonanza. It's been great. We've really enjoyed chatting to you. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on the things we've been talking about. Cheers. Cheers. Get the Charlie Premiers in ya. 12 months, we made it. Every month we're talking about beer and beer culture. This is belonging. I'm still twat. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just punched my microphone. <laughs> it was like your heart or something else. No, I was just going. <laughs> yeah, I was, get, I was getting hyped up. Yeah, come on, we're ready. ready. Let's try I'll that do, one I'll again. Do it this way. Uh, get yeah. ready for belonging. Sorry.